from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Well, hello and welcome everyone to this week's edition of the Wow Report, where we count down the top 10 things of the week that make us go wow. Wow. Tom Campbell's away on a on assignment, I guess, right? Top secret I- assignment. Top secret. Joining us this week is Randy Barbado, my partner in crime at World of Wonder. Wow. And, of course, the enthusiastic, ebullient, irrepressible James St. James. I was just going to say, what am I, chopped liver? What's going on? <laughs> well, I had to. I couldn't say I'm co-founder of World of Wonder and then get to rant. That would just seem wrong, right? <laughs> okay, okay. So I'm giving Randy. I don't know when you've ever been this... Uh, Generous? Uh, <laughs> Oh, God, it's going to be a tough week. All right, let's start counting down the top 10 things this week that made us go, wow. Number 10. You know, it's been a fantastic summer for fantasy. We've got uh, Game of Thrones, uh, House of the Dragon. We've got Neil Gaiman's Sandman, which we've talked about at length. And now we have Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. It's set uh, a thousand years before Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit, a couple thousand years, and it tells of the rise of the evil Dark Lord Sauron and the last time that the men and elves and dwarves all got along together. And it's about the how the power rings were were forged and everything like that. And it takes place over a couple thousand years, so don't get too attached to any one character because we're going to be moving pretty fast. Um, the problem with it is, is that the elves, if you remember from Lord of the Rings, elves are supposed to be these sort of ethereal, angelic, beautiful twinks and, and beautiful. They're, they're just stunning to look at and they make your heart stop. Well, there's not an attractive elf in the bunch here. They are all just really un- ugly, ugly, ugly. Yes, Blake? Well, maybe it's because it's a hundred, a thousand or two years before and they just haven't like evolved possibly it took a long time for those twinks to evolve into what they are now i guess i guess we are pre we are in the age of pre-twinkage i guess is what's happening here and the dwarves are really fun and there's these people called the harfoots who are sort of like pre-hobbits and the first episode is really really boring but the second episode really takes off and does it's really incredible and that bodes well for the series i think you need to give it a shot yes fenton well, his thing, so it's not actually based on anything Tolkien wrote, because he never told those stories, did he? Well, he did. He he touches on some of these stories lightly, um, but they don't have access to the Cimmerillion, which is a big problem, because the Cimmerillion is all the hundreds of thousands and millions of years before the story of the elves. And so he can't really tell those stories because they don't have the right to it. So they're sort of flying blindly on a few fables that, that Tolkien told and sort of trying to expand it. And- it had the biggest premiere on Amazon ever, right? It did, but it's still three million behind House of the Dragon. So, okay. and it's also getting trolled, right? The, like they had to turn off the reviews. But could you explain well, all that? That's just it, because um, there are several uh, of the Harfoots, who are the hobbits, who are have dark complexions. They're black actors. And everyone is saying, there are no black hobbits. What the hell are you doing? And it really brought out a bunch of racists. But you're in this fantasy kingdom with like elves and like you're you're quibbling over like, you know, skin tone. It's really ridiculous and ugly and racist. So definitely turn off the the, uh, the reviews and the, the angry Twitters. And you presumably have to watch it on a big screen to get the full impact. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know Fenton has a tendency to watch these enormous superhero blockbusters on your phone. And I always tell you, you can't do that. Right. (laughs) And you have a movie theater in your house. I don't understand why you're always watching things on your phone. Because I can lie in bed and fall asleep and not have to get up and go, you know, it's easy. Now, Now, Randy, will you do any of these series? No. No. <laughs> okay. No, I got stepped the- into um I'm watching the rehearsal at the moment, which I love. Well that you know, Seth talked about that last week, two weeks ago, and said that it's really, really good. Are you enjoying it? I'm really enjoying it. So I might do it um, this weekend. I I'll do it this weekend. Yeah, when it comes to fantasy, hmm. I you know, I limit it to Mariah Carey. 
Well, see, I'm always finding like in um, House of the Dragons, they have really good like medieval jewelry. Like, so I'm, oh. I'm always like with the outfits oh, and I the, yeah, the hairstyles, yeah, yeah. like the House of Targaryens, I'll have really good hairdos. So that's what, what drags me. Cute boys and, and good hairdos is what I'm there for. <laughs> and cute elves, apparently. And cute They're elves, yes. The Rings of Power is streaming on Amazon. Number nine, Randy. Number nine. We were very fortunate enough to win two Emmys this past weekend and to be nominated for several more. Um, and it was really fun. And I just wanted to talk for a moment about the Creative Emmys because within the community, they used to be called the Schmemmies. And they were like the weekend before the prime times. They're when the creative people behind the, you know, who make television. The are hair and makeup, the costumers, all that kind of yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. people, but, all of that. But I find them amazing. I mm-hmm. love going to them. You know, because they're filled with craftspeople who and who it really takes a village, and these are the people who build us up. And they are so excited to be at the Emmys. So there's great fashion, there's great enthusiasm, and this this weekend they were super gay. It was like it was really special. I was sat with RuPaul and sitting at our table was Randy Rainbow, Nicole Byer, next to the table with all the guys from Queer Eye, next to the table with Shangela, Bob the Drag Queen, Eureka, all sort of like, you know, right up at the stage, right up front. But I was like, it was, it felt so warm and fuzzy and super gay. Now, of course, there were lots of straight people there. They were everywhere. But, um... Did they put all the gays together? Like, did you, Is that, that, were you segregate? Were you in a gay ghetto? I, I don't think so. There was a moment that I wondered, but no, we weren't. Um, and but it felt like we. Um, now that I'm thinking about it, no, we weren't. We we really weren't. Well, my two questions. First of all, is Randy Rainbow? Is he an absolute delight to to be as a tablemate? Absolute delight. He should have won. Yeah, and um, he lost out to J- James Corden, right? I uh, know, I know. Blech. What? What? So it was very sweet, and Rue won, and I don't think was expecting it at all. And his speech was so sweet because he just talked about how much he loves television. It was very genuine, very real, and he gave. Um, mega props to Norman Lear who was sitting in the audience and thanked Arsenio Hall because that's how Rue got into the union. So that was fun. But but one other thing I just wanted to tell you about. So of course, so it was fun and props to all those amazing people who make the TV that we love. And then they have that governor's ball and you know, it was like 300 degrees and they decided to have it outside. Oh no. <laughs> so, um, so it was very hot and people were so de- I, I really... People were so dehydrated for the four-hour like event that like you know, people were waiting in line to get into the governor's ball, which meant standing outside. <laughs> and like, so I almost ran. And there was a table between the the bar and the food, which we, you know, which we took control. Weird, yeah, yes. And Theron was there. Theron made friends with the chefs and the waiters. So food was coming to the table. There was all the wine. There's food, there's Theron. Yes, all the alcohol. There was a back way to get the alcohol. So we could just sit at the table and like greet people as they were waiting in line. So that was a good thing to do for a while. But here's the thing. At the governor's ball every year, they have like a cover band. And um, the thing is, you know, normally you'd be like cover band, huh, humph whatever, dismissive, but a cover band in Hollywood means you have like the best singers on the planet. They're like the singers who are doing backup like on American Idol and shows like that. They're like great singers, great musicians, great music, all the music you want to hear. I ended up on that dance floor. I kept like every like 10 minutes or so, I'd be like, Okay, I'm gonna leave, and then I, you know, goodbye. And it's all you're dancing with executives and people that you, you know, work with and whatever. And every time I go to exit, it'd be like, 
PYT, they'd start playing PYT or something. You know, oh I mean, I'm not going to leave a dance floor when they're playing Michael Jackson's PYT. And I turn around. That happened for like 20 minutes. I went home. My tux was soaking wet. So now that is a first world problem right there. My tux <laughs> right. Was, uh, what are you going to do? I had I, too much fun. At the I ball. took it off. I, I parked in the back. I took my tux off and I put it in the back seat. It was too wet to wear inside. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, I hope I you figured it out. Give a quick shout out to Rue's shoes, which I saw on Instagram. He was wearing platforms upon platforms upon platforms, and he must have been at least 10 and a half feet tall. It was crazy. I, like, I mean, like, it's literally like bringing Coles to Newcastle when you put, <laughs> you know, Rue in heels and, and you know, platforms. It, it was a spectacular sight to see. Well, congratulations to Rue for the outstanding host and, and to RuPaul's Drag Race for outstanding production design. And of course, you know, we're here and Queer Eye and uh, Legendary, right? They yeah, all they won all won. Well. It was great. It was so great to see all of them. And it was great yeah. seeing Bob and Shangela and Eureka on stage presenting. It was, it oh, was, that's fun. It really yeah. felt like family. It felt like we were having, you know, an awards show in our backyard or something like that. It's, a gallery. it's like an old gallery party. Yes. <laughs> All right, moving on. Number eight. Number eight. Something else happened last week. Starbucks introduced pumpkin spice latte. It is pumpkin spice latte season. It is back. It's actually like, I think it's almost three or almost four weeks before the official start of fall. But, um... Pumpkin Spice Latte is, is in its 19th year. It's been around since 2003. I personally have never had one. Um, James? No, I don't believe in coffee. I don't I do not do anything at Starbucks other than blueberry muffins. The thing about Pumpkin Spice Latte, doesn't, there's no coffee really going on, I don't think. Oh, okay. I, I don't believe in any of that. No, I don't like caffeine. I'm, I'm very anti-caffeine. Hmm. He's very anti-caffeine. Yeah. Very, very, very. Well, you don't need it, James. So, Randy, if you had a pumpkin spice latte. No, but I did this weekend. I bought two pumpkin spice bath bombs for my kids. Oh. Well, that's the thing. Like, Starbucks really started this pumpkin spice thing. And you go in, like, I went into, um, and what's that sort of high-endy um, cooking shop? Williams and Sonoma. They had pumpkin spice latte, marshmallows, pumpkin spice latte, Tea cloths, like everything was pumpkin spice latte. And sort of the flavor of Karen's everywhere. Isn't that sort of like the joke about it? So I then did a little bit of a dive and there's been a lot of writings about pumpkin spice latte. Um, Women, mostly white, mostly with flawless highlights who love brunch and cozy sweaters, pick your own apple orchards and painted signs in their kitchens reminding them to dream. That is apparently the <laughs> the core audience. And then, of course, there's a whole backlash of people saying that actually this is demeaning to women and that women are being criticized for liking sweet things, whereas, you know, masculine favors like IPA or, you know, they never get red, but acai but, yeah, bowls but queen, and rosé. Do queens like pumpkin spice? Is that is that a gay WeHo thing? I'm sure it is, don't you think? I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. Blake? I don't go to WeHo, but I don't know. I don't How, like pumpkin do you, spice you, lattes. You don't. What do you get at Starbucks? Because you always have a Starbucks on you. I always get uh, tea with two Splenda. Oh. Okay. Because <clears throat> I'm trying know, to kick my Diet Coke habit. Since they introduced the pumpkin spice latte, they sold something like 600 million pumpkin spice lattes i mean it's a huge huge thing and actually originally it didn't even have pumpkin in it well, i was and gonna say that's what i was gonna yeah, i was wondering there's no coffee and there's no pumpkin yeah well, there it's is all now. cinnamon or something isn't it what a is it a few years ago they introduced pumpkin actual real pumpkin into the pumpkin spice latte and they also took out the artificial color so it's a more natural but apparently it tastes exactly the same. But I wouldn't know because I've never tasted it because it's so sort of sweet. I don't drink pumpkin spice latte. But today I did order that, and Fenton, you saw it, that huge lavender lemonade from Irwan. I mainly ordered it because of the the packaging of it was so stunning. It's purple lemonade. What is, is it like passion fruit or something? What is the What is the other thing that's in it? 
It's it's lavender and oh. there's rose water in it and then there's lemon in it. And it, was it delicious? It was really good. Um, and it really it it um goes through mm. you. Oh, well, so yeah, it's dramatic. It's like a. <laughs> I thought it was supposed to have a calming effect, not a purging one. Well, um, I learned from Brian uh, this week that when you're when you're uh, stressed out, you're supposed to visualize a lavender room. That's kind of what opened me, opened the door up to me getting a lavender lemonade. Are you a big Erewhon person, Randy? No. Okay. Are you? I always think it sounds like the Elvish Kingdom of Erewhon, <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Well, I had a I had a different uh, trivia question, but I now think what what is Erewhon? What's the name mean? Oh, oh, I think I know the answer to this. Okay, should we take a break then? Yeah, let's take a break. I'll just tell you one thing before we go to break: RuPaul's Drag Race UK Series Four coming September twenty second. Randy, that's your birthday. Oh. Sh- on WOW Presents Plus Worldwide, excluding Canada and UK. Um, it's on BBC Three in the UK and Crave in Canada. Guest judges, Boy George, Ollie Alexander, Mel B, FKA Twigs. So head over to the WOW Report to see them all and to meet the brand new queens. I had a problem with Mel B once. When I, I Did we save that for number six? Or? <laughs> no, 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 no. I just we can cut this out, but I just want I was doing something at Daily Freak Show and I met her in like backstage or something like that. And I said, and ladies and gentlemen, Mel C. And she just went like completely and she hate, wouldn't speak to me for the rest of the time. She was so angry with me. That's like your who calls you Jimmy St. Jimmy? I think or he love. Yeah. yeah. It's like Jimmy Jimmy. Jimmy All right, St. we'll be right back after the break. You're listening to Wow Report on Radio Andy. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Fenton Bailey here with my partner in crime, Randy Barbado, and of course, Jane St. Jane and Blake. Yeah, and I had a trivia question. We were talking about uh, Randy's, what is it? Lavender, Lavender lemonade. From Erewhon. What does what does the name Erewhon mean? Well, I'm going to say that it's probably like an anagram for something, but I don't know. I can't think of what it is. Fenton? It's nowhere misspelled, isn't it? It's. I think it's nowhere backwards, isn't it? Well, it's not completely, is it? Is it? Yeah, right, because the W and the H are the wrong way around, so oh, okay. it's a complete anagram. But it is nowhere, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. They're very elvish. It is. Mm. It, uh, it doesn't sound like an elvish kingdom. <laughs> We're counting down the top 10 things that made us go, wow. Now we've reached number seven. Number seven. We are witnessing in real time the demise of CNN, and it is absolutely shocking to watch. I don't know if you guys have been paying attention. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. CNN was bought by Trump donor, Trump billionaire, MAGA, uh, John Malone, who was a long time ago, James. He's, he's been a co-owner of it. Okay. 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 But pay attention, pay attention because shit's going down now. John Malone has publicly said that he wants it to be more like Fox News. And to that end, he has gotten... Oh, and he's privately said that he doesn't want to lose his tax cut, so he wants to make sure that CNN and Fox help keep the GOP in power. He's said this publicly. And to that end, he's hired Chris Licht, who is another Republican donor, Republican MAGA, uh, who has privately met with GOP lawmakers at the Capitol last month to ask them how to make CNN more uh, sympathetic to Republicans. So that is the backdrop. And so then over the summer, they fired Brian Seltzer and John uh, Harwood. Harwood. Har- yeah. And um, if you watch, Brianna Keeler has fully embraced the dark side and gone completely MAGA. It is really crazy. What they're doing every single show, if you have anti-Trump, you've got to have pro-Trump people on. If you have uh, Biden, you've got to have anti-Biden people on. They're both sides it to death. And it's really interesting to see how Don Lemon and Anderson are 
sort of holding the, the towing the rope right now, but we don't know for how long they're going to do it. Jake Tapper has gone into the crapper. I don't know if you saw his interview with Representative Dan Crenshaw, Republican, who just sat there and spouted Republican talking point after Republican talking point and lied and lied and lied. And Jake Tapper did not push back once. He did not say that's not true. He did not offer up any evidence to the contrary, even when we all know what the, what the lies were. Randy's dog is called Tapper. Right after Jake Tapper, it's really depressing for so, me. Yeah, he used to be one of the good guys, and he is not now. He, let he's me not, let me hear guy. your theory because I have some things to add, but I want to hear what your big theory is. Okay, my theory is after we've watched what Zaslov has been doing over at um, Discovery Plus and Warner Brothers when he when he tanked the hundred million dollar Batgirl film just for a tax write off. You know, we know that that Fox people are never going to come to to CNN ever, 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 no matter how much they change because they've been told it's fake news. For, for years and years and years. They're never going to come over. And the people who are CNN viewers are all going to MSNBC. So it's it, there's no reason for doing this because it's a lose-lose situation for everybody involved. I think it's all, they're gonna, it's gonna tank and it's gonna be a $10 billion write-off for Maloney. I believe your assertion of Malone's politics. Yeah. Um, I'm not so sure that you don't believe that Malone has ever said that he wants it to be Fox News light. Yeah, I don't believe I don't believe he's ever said that publicly. But but not, that's neither here nor there. I I believe that's what he wants. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't fully believe that that's what he wants. But that is what's happening. And the only thing I would say is the both sides ism thing is going to kill that network. I agree yep. because. Because that's not the world we live in right now. But on the flip side of it, I did find even Don Lemon like just exhausting because it was like it was fact free. Yeah. It was it was like someone reading out people's hysteria on Twitter. I want content and facts. Chris Licht, I mean, we talked about this on the War Report before, actually, because I was like, when Giuliani kind of said he'd been assaulted in that Staten Island uh, drugstore, and it turned, and we saw the videotape, and he wasn't assaulted at all. It was like a pat on the back. So that lie was sort of resonating with, at the same time that Chris Licht was telling people inside CNN not to talk about the election as the big lie, you know, Trump's theory of the election is a big lie. But look, a lie is a lie is a lie. And if you don't call a lie a lie, you are end up being complicit in this this sort of delusional propaganda propagandaizing. Well, the thing is, when, what you learn first day in journalism school is that if someone says that it's raining outside and someone else says that it's not raining outside, your job isn't to provide both points of view. Your job is to go outside and look to see if it's raining and report on whether it's raining or not. And CNN stopped doing that. They stopped looking for the truth and just want both sides of the story to be told. Yeah. Um, And I would just say it's still a work in progress because, number one, I don't think it will survive if it continues on the track that it's going on. I I do have um, I have faith in some of the people who who are still working there and that that and and. Um, but I do think prior to the entrance of Chris Lick, I think there was a problem there. I do yeah, think okay. it, it became fact free and just like people like spouting and complaining versus like reporting. Well, you know, but you're right. There are some great reporters that are there. Shimon Prokopez is is amazing. Brooke um, Baldwin, I like her still. Uh, James um, Longman. I mean, there are people there that I that I that I enjoy and that I think do good work. And I hope that I, Anderson Cooper is going to find a place. I mean, he he will. Don Lemon. I'm not so sure what what his post CNN career will be. He'll be but, a talk show host. Oh, there you go. There you right? go. That's like a celebrity. Mm. Anyway, so I, I, yeah, I, 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 I yeah. There's no, there's no real solution here, and there's no good news here. So I guess we move on. All right, let's move it on. It is sad. It's very sad. I agree with you, and I. But let's have faith that maybe something good will come out of it. It, I, 
yeah, I find it hard to have faith that something good will come out of it when you're looking at a just a generally rising tide of accepting that, Trump that, that and it, the reality it, denying bold face lying as some kind of new reality. That's yeah. the that's a problem here. It's it's just sort of sort of acceptance. And yeah. all right, well, let's try so up. Number six, Randy. Number six. Number six, I put Martha's Vineyard up um, because I love Martha's Vineyard, but um, but not because of that, because there were, I saw this uh, editorial in the Washington Post that Max Boot wrote. He was saying that the future has already arrived. The future, the, what the future looks like is P-Town and Martha's Vineyard, which is basically integrated, gay, trans, black, white, everything's there. And, you know, I, I, when I was at Martha's Vineyard this year, like, I guess I'd thought about it in the past. Like the main reason I like going there, I don't, it's just so beautiful and it's the East coast and it taps into, even though I never really spent time there as a child, it just, it does tap into some kind of a deep nostalgia, but the other amazing thing about Martha's Vineyard is it's incredibly integrated. And in this way that you don't often experience on holiday, on the beach. Um, well, here, but now, how long have you been going and have you seen the, the diversity change over the years? Is, it, is this something that's new or has it been like this for 10 years? It has a history of this. It does. Yeah, it's historically been quite in, integrated, but I don't. I couldn't speak about Martha's Vineyard in with historical authority. Part of the the idea of this Max Boot piece is how the reality is that you know the minority. Uh, you, you know, I, I think by two thousand and forty, the minority will be the mi- majority. It'll be minority majority. And so much of what's going on in politics right now, the narrative has been hijacked by this small group of people who are so, you know, desperate. This is all stuff you guys know, but are just clinging to this, this and, idea. And politics is just white is. men clinging to what, yes. what little vestiges of gerrymandering they can get, get to keep themselves in power. But the reality is it's already over. It's done. Someone should, uh, just as a callback, tell that to CNN then. (laughs) (laughs) I've had friends that have gone to P-Town for years and some friends that even live there in the summer. And so I think it's been going on from the 90s, but like John Waters has a place there who's super inclusive, you know. And the newest celebrity I heard this summer that's there is Parker Posey. Oh, nice. And uh, of course, Alan Dershowitz is there too, right? Well, he's on Martha's Vineyard. He, you were talking about P-Town. Mom. Alan Dershowitz was on Martha's Vineyard. And I will just say this about that. Um, you know, he's, you know how he's going on and on about complaining about he's not being invited to dinner parties and people don't talk to him at, at the local market. But when we saw him, I'm telling you, he was like prancing up and down that beach like, like a celebrity. Like he was just soaking it in. He didn't look... Like and people were being nice. People were giving him the adulation that he wanted. No, but <laughs> people were like, Shh. but I think he was loving it. He's that guy. Oh, he likes being the diverse. He's the celebrity there. He's a celebrity there. And didn't he always <laughs> used to go to the nude beach there? Wasn't that his thing? Is it there? Well, then, nude- yeah. I mean, the nude beach is right next to where. Yeah. Martha's Vineyard, the place to be. Uh, we'll post that uh, article on the Wire Report. Um. Number five. Number five. Okay, so I guess a couple of weeks ago, an artist called Jason Allen entered the Colorado State Fair. And it was, you know, there's different categories, different works. And he entered the uh, digital art category. And he won. He won with this picture, Teatro d'Opera Spatial. Um, It's sort of, I'll post a picture on the wire report. It's kind of hard to describe, but there's like a sort of portal and then sort of painterly figures, oil painting type figures dotted around as if on a stage. So you think they might be performing an opera, 
either they're in space looking out on some heavenly landscape or that's the stage and it's some kind of opera. Who knows what it is? It was just very sort of, it was a, actually very calming sort of old masters. Do you often follow the, the art coming out of the Kansas State Fair? Where was this? <laughs> The, the, the Colorado Cal- State Fair. Do you, do you, won do you avidly follow ribbon. Colorado State Fair artists? Won the blue ribbon for the digital art category. He won three hundred dollars, and no one, no one might have heard anything more about it were it not for the fact that people were outraged, outraged because this image he'd created of this sort of very oil painting like thing um, was created by an app um, called Mid Journey, which basically. You type in words like opera, space, theater, and it goes all over the web, scrapes up images, combines them all together, and voila, you have a painting. Oh, is that like that one, the the AI app that where you say you want Donald Duck uh, sitting on a toilet smoking a a blunt? And it will do it. Okay, auto-generated art, and people are just outraged by it, and. Blake Gottnick, who wrote the big Warhol biography, you know, wrote a piece about it. I mean, everybody's just sort of piling on and and think that it's outrage. And let me just quote what Blake says. He says, um, AI is a generator of schlock. Um, And the fact that AI can generate schlock so easily in such quantity proves that our entire visual culture is enthralled to schlockiness. I love it. Well, I don't know. I mean, he said he said he did allow that as a piece of work, he could consider it as a conceptual exercise in meta schlock. And I thought, oh, well, that's pretty good. Meta schlock. Is that, you know, have you seen the picture? I have. Um, and I sort of feel like that it's shocking now because it's this is the first time we're all discussing it in some right. sort of form. But I have a feeling in five years it's probably going to be the standard for everything, don't you? I mean, every CGI is going to be AI generated. Every right, every, it's like when photography came art. along, artists were freaked out about photography, and for the, for many years, uh, photography wasn't even seen as an art. Well, more recently, you know, you think of like auto tune and when Cher did it and everyone was like freaked. And now it's like you, you know, it's, it's the, yeah. de rigueur. Randy. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Randy's on Martha's Vineyard. Um, but anyway, I suppose it's also like the idea that it's automatic and you just type in words. But he says, the artist says he spent 80 hours doing over 900 iterations uh, I bet I that's true, and uh, and and you know, I, I, I bet that you know, I bet Andy would have loved it. That's that's my quote right there. I think but, though, I think Andy would have had a problem with the eighty hours. Oh like, yeah, he would have outsourced it to a, the you know kids and the. Too well, much you know, time. like Maplethorpe used to complain about. He said, "Oh, I could be a painter, but it just takes too long to paint anything." And so, you know, photography. He loved photography because it was quick and. And Basquiat painted that Warhol portrait in what, like two hours, you know, like. So as we get that, lazier and lazier as as a, as a humans, uh, we look to these types of ways to create art that have really. Maybe that's it. Maybe wow. that's it. Um, we'll post a picture on the report. You can judge for yourself. Let's take a break. Uh, two-time winner of RuPaul's Drag Race, Jinx Monsoon, has a new show coming to Wow Presents Plus. It's Portlandia meets Kids in the Hall. It's a strange and brilliant sketch comedy series called Sketchy Queens, created by Jinx and her comedy partner, Liam Krug. That is right. Hey, Krug. but I think we also Krug. need to plug now that we're all three together. Night Fever. Night Fever. Night Fever. Oh, what a great season. It's so good. We are off and running. We are have, we're have, we've had some controversy. We had some inspiring people. <laughs> this week we have uh, the Connie girl who is just a, a, an oracle for our times so if you got a chance go to spotify apple or wild presents plus where you can watch it yeah we'll be right back after the break with uh continuing our countdown of the top 10 things that made us go wow here on the wow report you're listening to world of wonders wow report things that make us go wow hey welcome back to the wow report i'm fenton here with randy and james st james and blake all right, we're counting down the top 10 things that made us go wow. We've reached 
Number four. Number four. I went to the theater over the weekend and I saw 3,000 Years of Longing. And I just have to say, it is 3,000 years too long. It is... Oh my God. It's beautifully shot. It's beautifully written. It's beautifully CGI. The acting is fantastic. The writing is fantastic. It's all there, but it's all, it's, it's a series of monologues. It's done like ASMR and they, they just sit and they talk in this very cool voice and they, they, and they just go on and on and on. And I felt, I never fall asleep in movies. I fell asleep four times in this movie. I don't know what it was. Okay. It's Tilda Swinton is a lonely professor and she finds she's on vacation and she gets a bottle. Uh, she finds it in an antique store. She opens it up and a genie, a gin pops out and the genie is uh, Idris Elba. And he, he says, you have three wishes. And she says, oh, no, no, no. I know how this ends up. I am not using them. Every fable, every story, every fairy tale, it goes wrong. I'm not doing this. And so they start talking. And he starts telling the stories of the three times that he has been let out of his bottle and then imprisoned again. And the first one is Solomon and Sheba. And the second one is like ancient Arabia. And then there's one in... Uh, I think 19th century England. And each time he gets tossed back into the bottle and at the bottom of the sea for a thousand years. And he goes on. And while they're talking, they fall, they start to fall in love. And um, uh, it's, there's a very, I, I, then I fell asleep for a long time and I don't really know what, but I, I woke up for the ending and the ending has made me cry and it's really beautiful and it's very bittersweet and sad, but I don't think you need to go to a theater to see this. Because I think it's you don't need to pay to do it because it is it's it's like I said it's beautiful but just wait till it's on HBO. Was it packed? Um, it actually was. I I always go to the like eleven o'clock movie because I don't like it when it's packed. But this was more crowded than usual. But I did see Bodies, Bodies, Bodies this weekend too, and that one was really packed. That that was like one of those uh, everyone cheering and shouting and shouting back at the at the screen. I loved it. People are ready to go back to the movies, huh? Yeah, yeah. It does. It feels. I mean, it was 107 in my apartment, and so it was 20 degrees in the theater. So I had to bring a sweater. So it was not. That's why you get people going back to the movies. Just turn up the heat. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Three thousand years of longing. Well, I guess it just isn't a happy ending. No, no, no. It's a beautiful, beautiful ending. Is you you will be sobbing if you make it to the end of the movie. Okay. Okay. Number three. Number three. Have you guys seen the Kim Kardashian covering interview magazine? There's not much to the story. And I just read it's back when she did the Met Gala and the Marilyn Monroe dress. So she was all dyed blonde. Oh, okay. and James is blonde, sort of Tanya Roberts hair, sort of like sort of Farrah Fawcett, and she's got bleach blonde eyebrows, and she looks really fantastic. But I think this is the first time we've ever really seen her ass, like the well, full. You said, you said that, but her other magazine cover where she did the the painting. No, you just you see the side. You don't see ass crack. You don't see butt. Uh, I think. Well, regardless, well, she was I, wearing. She was wearing it like a jean set from Bottega Veneta. That, that she had pulled down and her full butt is out. And the, the the controversy about this is that they were saying that she was queer baiting because she was wearing a jock strap. But then the photographer said that she the only reason he put her in a jock strap was because it frames your butt so nicely. And every gay knows that if you want your butt to look good, you wear a jock strap. So she's wearing, it looks like she's doing a queer baiting gay thing that everyone on a thirst trap on Instagram. Yeah. That everyone, you know, does. But did you see it? Did you like it? Is it, it? I, I, I saw it. And then I said to myself, why? <laughs> like, like it, it just makes me, I mean, yeah, it's a great photo. Uh-huh. It's, it's great. You know, I love it. I love a big ass. Yeah. So it gives you all that. Um, but. And it's a woman in a jockstrap, which is sort of a fun image. But it makes me wonder about her. I guess maybe I'm just tired of, of attention whores a little bit, you know, cause it, then it makes me think of, of, you know, 
Miss M and her antics lately. And and I find myself always going there, like I'm I'm interested and whatever, but I just like, ugh, there's Kim like showing us her butt. Again, I was just trying to keep it, it, it light for number three, but I'm actually irritated as fuck too. So, right? What what is it? It's it's that thing of like, girl. It's like Marilyn Monroe. It's this. It's that. It's like, I well, guess that's what her business is, right? That's you yeah. know they they were doing an interview with her for the picture, and the photographer was talking to her, and he and he said, "So Kim, what is the American dream?" And she said, "Is it bratty to say that I'm living it?" And he said, yes, but you are, blah, blah, blah. And you just sort of thought like, oh, really? If, <laughs> if that's the American dream. Although today, um, Brie was saying like all of her, the uh, uh, Kim Skims, are re- it's a really great yeah, no, one. It is. Yeah, it I've, I've heard that. It's really comfortable and, and all of the pieces are are well done. So you know, she's. Just I obsessed. have heard that as well, and that she deserves all the all the kudos she gets for her skims. Kim Kardashian makes me think of Kanye West, and I just get stuck, uh, and I just get yeah. so unhappy thinking. Well, about that's her. all there is with that. She's on the cover of Interview, and oh, she's. Well, I did. Kanye. There was one other thing I wondered about it, and I just one other obscure thing. Rolling Stone is always doing because didn't they do the Marky Mark thing? Like well, this was Interview. Oh, this is interview. Okay, so and it was interview that did the Marky Mark thing, right? Uh, the Marky, okay, yeah, yeah, the famous 1991 cover, spring uh, 1991. Kanye was tweeting about how Kim has diarrhea more than any other person should. Did you read that? Was that and then today? He, was like, he did that. Kanye Over just the weekend, did that this week. In and, between, and Kim was like, "Just stop it, Kanye! Just stop it! This is not. You should not be doing this in public." In between threatening to take down Adidas and Gap, and it's just so uh huh, he's so annoying and clearly unhinged, and yet no one really seems to call it out for that. It's like if it would, you know, CNN would cover it and feel obliged to give him equal time. But we are living in the country that Donald Trump was president for four years, we don't call out crazy. But yeah. see, now that I know she has diarrhea all the time, that's all I'm going to think about when I see the cover of Interview. Oh. I don't know how you missed that, Randy. Well, didn't Donald Trump also have diarrhea all the time? Of course well, he, just he does. His pants. <laughs> what? He was just a pants pooper. I got to move on to number two. Number two. Cabaret. I was in the UK recently, and Tom Camel and I went to see, we were very graciously gifted tickets to go see the new revival of Cabaret, it's uh, called Cabaret at the Kit Kat Club, and they've completely refurbished the theater like a traditional West End theater, turned it into the Kit Kat Club. So you don't go and sit in a seat. You go to a table. You enter through the basement. It's very brick. It's very kind of like an underground club in Berlin. You turn a corner, and there's someone who's half nude doing something. And Kim Kardashian, you turn yeah, the, the Kardashians, Kanye West. It's like that's it. It's cabaret so with a K. And it's you know what's funny? Every time I see cabaret, I just think of Liza Minnelli. And so you always spend a bit of time adjusting. I think of Liza Minnelli as Sally Bowles, or Joel Gray as the MC, or I guess Alan Cumming. Right? I mean, but I have to say, even though I don't know the names of these actors, they were spectacular. They were absolutely spectacular. And it was like, it was fresh. And of course, it was fresh, but it also had with the way the Nazis come in and kind of like you're sort of dancing on the edge of the volcano. It had, it rhymed with what's happening in the present, you know, with the rise of fascism and people being afraid to call things what they are. They just meanwhile quietly just slip into things. And so someone stands up singing Tomorrow Belongs to Me. I was just, just going to say. One person singing it, but by the end, everybody's singing it. And the like drums CNN, get louder and singing louder along. and louder. You know, oh, it's, it's like, a terrifying song. It is just it, it's it one is of the best songs song. in, in of the 20th century. And I did a bit of a, a, a sort of, took me down a bit of a rabbit hole because that is a, you know, it began as a Christopher Isherwood novella in 1937. Then it became a play in I'm 1951. And then, of course... 66 was the musical and then 72 the movie which i guess is so the bob fossey movie it's just so definitional right have you ever read i am a camera or the Esherwood diaries i have never read 
it's Tara. I've never read yeah. any Isherwoods. It, it is. It, it, it's something maybe in your old age you can settle down with some Isherwood and just sink into it because it's wonderful. I mean, if I have some one thing, I think I think the story gets a bit creaky in the sense that obviously Cliff, the guy who's sort of the narrator, is gay, but he's sort of bisexual, and there is this sort of subplot of him and Sally Bowles, and mm. they pretend to be lovers because she got pregnant by someone. It's it just felt like in a modern version of it, you could be more open and strip away some of that coyness that was necessary in the times. But I don't know. Nitpicky thing, I guess. And there's a whole plot point about how crazy and, and kooky Sally is because she has green nails. And in the 30s, that would have been really something. But now try telling the modern kids that green nails is is crazy. She was really she, the, the person who played Sally was so amazing. Like she did um, Life as a Cabaret and did it in this really scabrous, sarcastic, angry, rage-filled version that was, it was, it was absolutely stunning. And it went from very quiet to very loud to very quiet. It was, it was pretty breathtaking, actually. So that is Cabaret at the kick. Is that coming, is that production coming to New York? Well, it's difficult because, you know, they, they spent something like five million refurbishing the theater. I mean, it's it's sort of site specific. You have to you need uh-huh. to have a theater that's in the round because they ripped out all the backstage and put the audience there as well as in the front. And the mm. stage is completely circular and it has bits that pop up like a wedding cake. It's, it's just it's pretty really visually spectacular, I must say. All right, let's take one more break. We have the most amazing number one. <laughs> Speaking of attention seekers and all those disorders that go with it, uh, you're listening to Wire Report on Radio Andy. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to Wow Report here with Randy and James and Blake. We've reached number one. Number one. Well, I want to just say that it has been absolutely. Wait, can you wait? Hold on, James, one second. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. It, the news coming out of the Venice Film Festival for Move Over. Wait, what is it? Move Over, Darling? When it, uh, don't worry, Darling. Don't worry, Darling. <laughs> it has been unbelievable. It has been, I have been rollicking. I've been laughing so much. First of all, you, you, backstory you have uh, Olivia and Florence are feuding, right? And won't, Florence won't walk the red carpet with Olivia. And then you have. Harry, who is, bless his heart, trying his damnedest to uh, uh, keep up with the rest of the thespians. And he was being interviewed and he said something about how it's like a movie that feels like a movie. And you can just see Chris Pine, like, like literally leaving his body, trying so hard not to scream in frustration that he's saddled with Harry. And then. Wait, wait, wait. It was such a great tweet. Worry, I'm not even here, darling. <laughs> and yes, and then you also have the backstory of of Olivia and Jason Sudeikis and so Florence's. I I, I can't even go into any There's of that. So many like Shia LaBeouf, like Shia storyline, and him. There did, needs was to he be fired? Did he quit? There and needs then to be they a were trying to get him this. back, and instead they got they were saddled with Harry, who is just apparently I don't know. But then James James, have... before you get that, he said Harry in that press conference, he said I know he said what he was proudest of is that it feels like a movie, but he also <laughs> said um, what I like about acting is I feel like I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I love him so much. I do. And people talk about him queer baiting in his ear, isn't he? Oh, and then we have the the <clears throat> the kiss with Nick Kroll when he just goes and grabs Nick Kroll, Nick Kroll and get plants one on his on his lips. And that of course was meant to put a solve the problem of his, you know, lingering bisexuality. I don't know, but but Fans are either they love it or they hate it, blah 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 blah. And then he's wearing this this outfit with these gigantical collar, and it's it's a cute outfit. It's really fabulous. I would have loved to have worn it. I would still wear it. Hell, but then he goes and he sits down, and before he sits down, it appears that he spits on Chris Pine, and you see Chris Pine look down at his lap and then put it, stick his tongue out like, Ugh, and then like try and pass it off. Like nothing's happening. Do you believe 
that, that he spit on Chris. He did not spit on Chris. We what all happened? know he did not spit on Chris, but it's been a fabulous Why afternoon. did Chris Pine look down? Well, some were saying he was fiddling with his glasses or he was looking for his glasses. He was looking for his glasses and he realized that he they were right there. And yeah, all the storylines and all the, all the gossip leading up to the premiere and is Florence, is that, that's her name, right? Yeah, Florence, Florence is she going to yeah. come? And oh, she can't come to the photo shoot because she <laughs> is just arriving. But meanwhile, that shot of her walking with the purple... which i didn't even realize that was her and yesterday i started seeing that popping up everywhere i'm like what is this who is this you know with all the people saying (laughs) so-and-so arriving to this or so um so it has people have had fun with it it's in and i do think it's great for the movie like everyone's gonna go see this movie right well the movie have you seen the trailer for it though it just looks excruciating it just looks i think think this is they're they're, i think it's all drummed up drama to get people to go to this no no because they wouldn't go to venice for that like i think it's funny because i actually think all of this is going to be great for box office but it's disqualified it for any series because most of the reviews are sort of mixed, but everyone's saying Florence is great in it. And so had, had it, if it didn't have this kind of lead up and, and tabloid profile, maybe people would have taken it a little more seriously, but I do think on the flip side of that, a lot of people are going to go see it out of curiosity because they're also it's that thing, you know, there are these accusations that that um, uh, Olivia and Harry oh. were like, were doing it while they while were making she was the film. Still, she was still with Jason, I guess. And, and while they were making the film and she would disappear, they would meet in, in someone in like, there's stories about how they were very close and would take time off together while filming. And just one other aside, there are the the Ronan Chris Pine side by sides, which Ronan's been having fun with on the on, on the interwebs today. Well, Chris Chris Pine is, I mean, he's such a handsome guy. And every time you see him, he look, does look completely different. But this is a very Ronin-esque period of his. Well, all right. We're out of time. Thank you very much. Thank you, Randy. Thank you, James. Thank you, Blake. Uh, same time, same place next week. Until then, go out and do something that makes the world go wow. <laughs> <laughs>